Well, do this and turn to the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation. Uh, turn there. If I'd be remiss now, I didn't say this in, uh, at the beginning. Uh, thanks to, to Mike Reynolds and Xander for uh, uh, filling in and doing an amazing job. I was blessed to listen to both and uh, uh, just good stuff. So God, give them a clap and thank the Lord for them. It's good stuff, man, uh, to hear uh, what's going on in their lives. And you do. See, that's what happens is you hear what's going on in people's lives when they preach. And uh, uh, all those things were really good. So uh, I'm thankful to the Lord uh, for those two and for others here in the School of Ministry and uh, people who serve here. Well, can you hardly believe it? We've come to the end of the New Testament. And uh, that's been an amazing thing to see uh, and to do. And uh, it's been a blessing for me to uh, lead you through there, and uh, all of us to lead you through there. Uh, and so we're coming to the last chapter of the book, uh, or of the New Testament, of the book of Revelation. What a blessing. Let me read you something from the Hall of Faith. You all know it. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, as you know, uh, goes through many who are, have been uh, amazing people in the faith. Such a blessed chapter, such an encouraging chapter. Why? Because uh, maybe you were like me when I grew up uh, thinking the Bible was a, a book of saints and everybody was perfect. And then you uh, stumble into the, or, uh, or led into the uh, 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and you find people who've blown it big time, who've blown it big time. Sometimes you would say, how in the world did that person get in there? And that's the point. God's grace, man, is so huge and so big, it can uh, scoop us all up and uh, all of our different hang-ups and all those sorts of things and bring us right into uh, a time with him. And it, uh, right there in the middle of the chapter, talks about the heavenly hope. Let's read it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, as we embark upon the last chapter of the New Testament, it says this, these all died in faith, those who he's named before. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Think about that. They were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims here on the earth. If ever there was a time that you needed to know that you're just passing through this earth, I can't imagine it wouldn't have been this month. Some of the things that we've seen, sickening things, have made many of us angry on one hand, on the other hand, angry, and every place in between. These folks in the uh, heavenly hall of faith were assured of these promises, embraced them, and confessed. They openly said they're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. You know, you're thinking to yourself, you're going to go home now. You're going to, you know, listen to this guy until 8.15 or so, and then you're going to go home. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Your home is in heaven. What we're talking about here 
at the end of this book of the book of Revelation, and truly, it says in verse 15, that if they had called to, or if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a, listen, listen, a heavenly country. They desire a heavenly country, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them, but here, folks, he's prepared a city for us, too. The heavenly city. And the last time we were together, me, here on Wednesday night with you, we talked about this all things being made new, the new Jerusalem and the glory of the new Jerusalem. And where is heaven? Heaven is where God is. And in one sense, we have, quote unquote, a slice of heaven now because God lives in our hearts. But I know what people are asking. Where is it that we'll be? What is it that we'll do? Well, you're going to be part of this thousand-year millennial kingdom on this earth. And then this earth is going to go away. And a new earth and a new heavens will, be, uh, uh, will come down with a new Jerusalem. And boy, did we talk about that glory of that new Jerusalem. You could look back in chapter 21, verse 16. Some have said that the new Jerusalem is about 2.25 million square miles total. It's like a 1,500-mile cube with layers like a skyscraper, 15 miles high, 15 miles square. And it's huge, and it's big. But I want to remind you what we've been doing for this half year. As we set our hearts tonight and always on heaven, being with the Lord. I want you to remember that this book started out with words that said this. Blessed is he or she, blessed are those who read. Who, he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. In the introduction here at chapter 1, it tells us that we'd be blessed to read this, not to shut this book up, not to not study it. No, no, no. It's study and study it some more. You'll be blessed if you do it. And hear the words. Just read the words, hear the words, keep these words. If you're a person who is going to now take this and shelve Revelation, well, you're not getting what, we, what the, the writer is trying to, been tell, or trying to tell you, and that's this, is that there's nothing more practical for you than the book of Revelation. That's why it's such a lie from the enemy for churches not to teach it. There are people who ignore this whole book because they don't want to get into the controversy about pre-trib and post-trib and mid-trib and is there a millennial kingdom? Should it be literal or should it be just history only or should it just be symbolic? All of those sorts of things. They just shelve it. 
Well, the Lord says, don't do that. (laughs) Read these words, hear these words, keep these things. In fact, he tells us in the 19th verse of the verse chapter that there is a divine outline, and the divine outline is the things which you have seen, Jesus says to John, the revelator. John, write down the things which you have seen. The, what is that? Chapter 1. Chapter 1 is the, uh, the glorified, resurrected Jesus. Write that down. So he does. Then he says, write the things which are. And we talked about that. That's chapter 2 and chapter 3. The churches that existed at that time. And again, uh, over a long period of time, uh, maybe you're sick of me saying it, not only was he writing to the churches at that time, but he was writing to the churches for all time and the different qualities and things that make a good church and, and things that deteriorate in the church. But he also, we talked about each of these churches represented a period of church history. Remember that? Those are the things which are. And then he says, take, uh, write the things which will take place after this. That, word in the, that phrase in the Greek is metatauta. And if you go over to chapter 4, we see that the church is now in heaven after these things. After what things? After the church age. The church is now in heaven. Chapters 4 and chapter 5, we get a glimpse of what we'll be doing with the Lord in that third heaven where he is while the period of tribulation is going on. Why is that? Because we've been raptured, Thessalonians 4. We've been caught up in the air. We believe it's a pre-tribulation rapture. We have avoided the wrath, and we're not appointed under wrath. Chapters 4 and 5, that's the picture of the church in heaven. Chapters 6 through 19, we went through it at length, is that seven-year period of tribulation where Christ pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world and does business again or does business with the nation of Israel. At the end of that period of time, Jesus with you, his saints, comes riding back to earth. We've all been on the news saying, why don't you take care of this, Lord? Lord, why, why, why? And we've seen in chapter 19, there's coming a day. He is going to take care of it, and then he's going to come back personally to this earth with us to rule and reign and to judge and to put everything right, and there's going to be a thousand-year period of reign, period of time, the millennial reign. We went through it at length. You can see that uh, uh, in chapter 20 of, uh, uh, of the book of Revelation. And at the end of that time, lots of things happens in, in there. At the end of that time, now all things are made new. This world goes away. New heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. You just redid the whole book of Revelation. But now you get to chapter 22. And when I left last time, I said, well, if you're not a city person, hang on. Because there's a garden here. There's a country here. There's a nature here in this city. And here it comes. Let me read it to you. As we set our hearts like the people of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews on ones who have the hope of heaven, of ones who realize we're just pilgrims, we're just passing through here, folks. Don't get too attached to this place. 
you're going to be with God forever and ever. Here it is, the word of the Lord, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. And in the middle of its street and on the either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. We sang it tonight. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Listen, listen. Jesus tells us, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you don't do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they, or those, who uh, do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. (laughs) And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely." For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now let's unpack this. This is incredible. So here it is that uh, John continues to be shown seeing a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's in chapter 21. And he sees many glorious things. No temple there for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, verse 22 of chapter 21. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon for the glory of God, the heaviness, the weight, the substance, the beauty of the Lord, the majesty of the Lord. It's all there and it's all on display. And you can see it and you, you know it and there's no need for, for anything else to illuminate there because the Lamb is the light. 
and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Things have been set right. The stuff you get mad about on the news, it ain't going to make you mad. But they're going to be no, uh, there shall by no means enter into anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And out of that place, John is shown a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. You see how intricately, how intertwined God the Father and Jesus are? It's all throughout right here. I would even argue that the Holy Spirit is here. What do you mean? Well, look at this. I just want you to consider some stuff. Why a river? Why water? No sea, but there's a river of water of life. There's several places in the Old Testament. Isaiah 48, 18. Listen to this. Just write these down, okay? Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Listen to this. Then your peace would have been like a river. Peace like a river. You, you ever sang that song? That's, that's where it comes from. There's peace like a river. How about Zechariah 14.8? In that day, that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. Living waters. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 3. He brought me to the back door of the temple. There was water flowing from the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced the east. The water was flowing the right side, south of the altar. These things that will be happening even in the millennial kingdom. There's water in the kingdom of God. See, you don't care too much about that because you don't live in the Middle East. Psalm 36, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Listen, verse 8, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. Catch this, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. That's Psalm 36, 7. This is a very famous one. Uh, my pastor at Calvary Pittsburgh, he wrote, a, he wrote this down to a song. It's the first song I heard when I walked into Calvary Pittsburgh. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How about this in Psalm 46, 4 through 5? There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. This is in the Psalms, folks. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. What, so what am I saying here? Listen to this. In the Old Testament, and Revelation draws heavily from that, a river is a picture of lots of things like prosperity. Listen, listen. Stability. Spiritual health. She'll be like a tree planted by a river of water whose leaf brings forth fruit in its season, or who brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf won't wither. There's no dying there. You ever had a dry season spiritually? Yeah, that ain't happening here. 
there's, out of this, there's this pure river of water. Here, now, now time out. Just stick with me for a minute. There's, there's peace and there's prosperity and there's richness, the good richness, not the, you know, that doesn't mean watches and suits. It means there's a, there's a richness to life in heaven. You'll never be bored. There'll be peace and prosperity and stability, and you'll never, listen, there won't be insecurity and no, whether you match up or you measure up or anything like that, it's pure flowing from there, and it's all for you to partake of. Remember what Jesus said, go with me. I know you even know it already, but go with me to the book of John. Go, go to the book of John chapter 7. Go to the book of John, chapter 7. Look in verse 37, okay? Go there. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You ever thought, what in the world is he talking about? Well, he goes on to explain it. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those who believe in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. People, Christians, filled with the Spirit, folks, never thirst again. Turn over to chapter 4 of the book of John. Verse 11, you know this very famous Samaritan woman meets her Messiah story. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So what am I saying? What, what am I doing here? Well, he showed me a pure river of water of life. I think, I believe, in the place that will ultimately be with God himself, there will be a real river. I believe it'll be a pure river of the water of life. But it'll also, folks, be symbolic, I guess you want to say, but a picture of what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives now, but then forevermore. And that's this. Folks, you're always, always for eternity going to be perfectly satisfied. Think about that. You're, you're going to be perfectly satisfied. And it's going to be pure. Do you know, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the Lord had something against Judah. You, you know what it was that he had against Judah? He'd done, they'd done two evils. And one of the evils was they'd taken to idolatry. But another one is that they'd forsaken, here it is, the fountain of living water and hewn out broken cisterns for themselves. See, that's the whole description of what life is like 
now. Non-believers build up idols because they don't know any better. And they're looking, as the country music song said, in love in all the wrong places. They're looking for acceptance, satisfaction, uh, uh, a stamp of approval, love, unconditional love, and they're in the broken cisterns. You, you, You know what a broken cistern was back then? A broken cistern was this. They would make these massive water pots out of clay and all these sorts of things. And then at the end, you know, they would get it ready to go, and they'd fill it with water, and many of them wouldn't work. They'd leak. And so you know what they use the cistern for? They'd use it to bury people or put dead things in. And that's what they're referring to here, is that people go to the places where dead things are and try to be satisfied and loved. In heaven, you see, there's going to be perfect richness of life. You'll never be bored. You're always going to be on the edge of your seat in thrill and excitement and love and perfection. And you're going, there's going to be provision and peace, peace like a river. This is the river. It's God's river because he's there, you see. You see? And you're never going to be, you know how now, let's just be honest with you. Let's just be honest with each other. What did you always want to be? (laughs) What did you always want to be? I don't know. Here's some things I always wanted to be. I wanted to be an NFL football player. The problem was I wasn't good enough. I remember the day I came to that realization. That was a tough day. How about this? I wanted to be a dad. But I got to tell you, I don't always feel like being the leader. Maybe you guys are tough, perfect, but I don't always feel like being the one out front taking the shots. And so I've needed help from the Lord. And you know what? Why I'm, you know, I wanted to be a good worker, but I'm not always the best worker. I'm just being honest with you. And you know how that makes me feel? Bad without the Lord. Why am I telling you all that? Because you're never going to feel like that anymore. There's nothing going to drag you down. There's nothing where you say, well, I can't measure up. No, you're there by the blood of the Lamb, and everything there is pure, and it's stable and provided for, and you're in perfect fellowship, and you're accepted and loved. How do I know all this? Because see, it's clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This river, which I believe is real, but also is telling you of what it's going to be like, the characteristics of heaven. That's what I think this is saying. It's real, but it's telling you the characteristics of heaven. It comes from God himself. And when we see what the Old Testament tells us about a river, and also what Jesus told us about coming up out of us would be rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Lord in our lives that makes us satisfied, and here we have perfect presence. That's heaven. And then the middle of the street and on either side of the river, now people go back and forth. Describe this for me. Well, there's lots of different ideas. Some people believe, if you've ever been to the Riverwalk in like San Antonio, 
There's like a canal going down, and you walk on both sides, and there's trees on both sides. Some people believe that. Other people believe it's kind of like, you know, you're, this water is flowing out from the throne of God, and then it kind of goes around like this, and in this island, like, there's a tree. I don't know. You think about it how you want. But on either side of this river was the tree of life. How's that? I don't know. Did the river split? I don't know. But you be a good Berean. But I do know this. You know the story. See, there were two trees in the Garden of Eden. You get this, right? There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you know, you know there's lots of trees up here, folks. And wasn't very many folks at the time. <laughs> hey, you two. There's the knowledge of good and evil tree. But there's millions of other, gazillions other. Here's what I want you to do. I just not, I don't want you to eat from this tree. You eat from any other tree you want. Do what you want, but don't eat from this tree, okay? Don't eat from this tree. And what did they do? They ate, and what happened? They died. Why? Because they asserted their independence from God, their rebellion. Listen, stay with me on this. And then the Lord drove them out of the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden so that they would not eat from the tree of life. Remember this? Why? Why did he drive them out so they wouldn't eat from the tree of life? Because if they ate of the tree of life, they would have been in that state forever. The curse could never have been reversed. So he drives them out. He doesn't. And then all of a sudden, at the beginning of the Bible, we're dealing with a garden. Here we're in a garden again, and somehow, someway, that tree of life is there. Why? Because the curse has been reversed. And I want you to see something. There's no more rebellion in heaven. Here now, even now, right? You're looking over your shoulder, even in the church sometimes, even in my own heart. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And I'm looking over my heart, even my, you know, your heart, right? Our hearts sometimes. There's no more of that. There's no more rebellion. And here we see this tree of life, which had 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Is that a lot of trees uh, every month having a different fruit? Maybe. Or is it one tree, which is what I believe, uh, every month having a different fruit? Yes, that's what I think. There's fruit in heaven. Jesus, remember, in his resurrected state, Luke 24, you can go read that. He ate fish and honeycomb. Are there going to be food in heaven? Well, there's a marriage supper of the lamb. Do you you're going to be able to eat in heaven? I think the answer is yes. And here we see fruit, fruit. And you're going to be supplied. Do you see that? In other words, there will be provision for you, and it will be healthy and good. And it's from the tree of life which represents communion with God as opposed to dependence and independence or asserting our independence from God and our rebellion. You understand what I'm trying to say? That's the characteristics of heaven. We're in perfect harmony with the Lord. Don't you want to walk with the Lord in that way? Yeah, it's coming. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. That word in the Greek is therapeutic. I mean, that's the word that where you get therapeutic. And it's not like Healed like sick, now healed. It's more like you worked on something to make it strong and strengthened again. 
and the nations are healed. Are you catching it? Come on, folks. Are you listening? In heaven, the nations will be healed. Well, I tell you what, about the last month, what I've been seeing on the news, one of the prayers for, our, for me is that our nation would be healed. And then here, staggering, there shall be no more curse. Folks, there shall be no more curse. If you go back to Genesis 3, you see the curse. You see the curse, the temptation and the fall of man. And you know this, right? So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On their belly you shall go. You shall eat dust, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You'll strike him, but he's going to defeat you. To the woman, he said, I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your husband shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat all the days of your life. Thorns, thistles, it shall bring forth, and you shall eat the herb of the field and sweat of your face till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. You're not catching it. You're not going, whoa, I can't believe you're not saying it. The worst curse, you're going to die. <laughs> you, you could have lived with me, he says, for always and forever. And now you've decided that you wanted to assert your dependent or independence from me. You wanted to rebel. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you do it. But you don't understand. There's a curse that comes with it. And the whole Theme, the whole, listen, if you're new to the Bible, if you don't know much about the Bible, tune in here. What is it? The Bible is God's attempt to reverse the curse. And I shouldn't say attempt. It's his ability to reverse the curse. And you say, well, he's God. Yeah, but it took his son die for us. So we get to here and you say, What's going on in the world now? How people were in the capital. I, COVID, yeah. You know that many of these things, although hurting and real, are just distractions from people knowing that what really needs to happen in each of our lives is that we must surrender to the Lord so that this curse can be reversed, so that there is no more curse. They're in heaven. There will be no more curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And listen, folks. And his servants shall serve him. You know, when you get to that part, I get to that part because I'm competitive. And you get to those parts where Jesus says, oh, you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? See, I go, oh, wow. That really, like, resonates with me. Yeah, I want to be great. Okay, I want you to be a slave and a servant, and I want you to die to yourself, and I wanted you to pick up your cross daily, and I want you to follow me, and then you'll be great in the kingdom of heaven. You say, wait a minute, die? See, there's nothing, anything more heavenly than laying your life down for other people. I don't see a lot of that in the church. I see a lot of people saying you and them. We ought to get rid of you and them in our vocabulary. And we ought to be saying 
us and we. Here he says, in heaven, are you catching this? In heaven, servants, that's us, will be serving. You say, man, really? Is that true? I mean, see, there's this one scripture. You ever heard this scripture? God gives you the desires of your heart. I'm convinced that scripture is linked with this one right here. I'm convinced. What do you mean? You know the thing that God has put in you that you love to do? It's unique to you, you know. I don't know what it is. Write songs. I mean, that ain't my thing, but maybe it's your thing. Or here's what I think. I think I'm going to give guided tours in the woods to people in heaven. I really think that's what I'm going to do. I, I, you, I am laughing a little bit about it, but I think I am. I don't think I'm going to do something like that. Because I don't know where this comes from. I just like it. I like to be outside. I like to be in the woods. And I don't know why. God, and it's like, just lay your life down for me. And when we get to heaven, I'm going to assign you to something that you're going to love. You're going to be serving, yes, but you're going to love it. Maybe you love books. You'll be the librarian. I don't know. I think, personally, here, God gives us the desires of his heart, and servants shall serve him. You're never more heavenly than when you're laying down your life for other people. You get that? We have a me-first, us-centric church. Here, he says, his servants in heaven will be serving him. Listen to this. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Now, this has been a theme, right? This has been a theme throughout here, this whole thing. You're thinking, can he finish? Well, hang in there. Hey, you get her some water, please. Thank you. Listen to this. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. The first thing is, you know, in Exodus, write this down. In Exodus, Moses wanted to see the face of God. God said, you, you, dude, you, you can't do that. If you did that... You'd be, die, you'd be dead. You'd be wiped out. In heaven, you're going to come face to face with the Lord. You're going to be able to come face to face with the Lord. You're going to be able to see him. You ever wondered what 1 John 3, 2 means? Go over there. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. What we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There it is. You're going to be face to face with the Lord. There's many other things. You could just turn, you know, write this down. Read Psalm 17, 15. You're going to be able to see his face. Now listen, listen, this, is the, this might be the most important part of the whole thing of Revelation chapter 22. His name shall be on our foreheads. Now, that's been a theme all throughout, hasn't it? Revelation. In Revelation 7, we started to see the people of God had a, something on their forehead. Revelation 14, the people of God, what did they have on their forehead? The name of the Father. Get it? Okay, here it comes. You've been claimed by the Lord. Folks, if you're insecure... You have problems accepting yourself. I get it. This world's tough to live in, and people are jerks to people and say bad stuff. But I want you to know that you've been claimed by the Father. 
In fact, in Ephesians and Corinthians, the Bible tells us that we've been sealed as a down payment by the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed as a down payment guaranteeing our entrance into heaven. You've been claimed by the Lord. That, you need to know that, and you need to live in that every single day. You've been claimed. His name shall be on your foreheads. But here's the thing I want you to just catch. Here's what I want you to catch. You're never going to be able to see it on your forehead, which I'm so happy about. Because you're going to, listen, you're going to see God in other people. You see, we have a group of people. We have a, a church that goes around and it points the finger at everybody else. And it says we versus us or we versus them and those people and they're idiots and they don't know anything and they're evil. We sang it tonight. The Lord has this unbelievable way of seeing beauty in the middle of ashes. We're, while we're here, let's not say we versus them. Let's quit pointing the fingers at people outside the camp, but here, listen, also inside the camp. Quit talking about people. Quit gossiping about people. Quit saying, oh, I want to pray for Tim because Tim has such and such a problem. All you're doing is gossiping. Quit backbiting with people. What if we just saw the Lord and others? In heaven, look, the focus won't be on us. Of course, it's going to be on the Lord, the throne, but when we see other people, we're going to see God in them. They're going to be stamped with God, and we won't be able to see our name. Listen, we'll know we're sealed and praise the Lord for it, but you want to be a depressed person? Here's what you do. Think about yourself all the time. In heaven, in heaven, you'll be preoccupied with the Lord. He is worthy. And when you see other people, you're going to say, oh, look what the Lord's done in your life. What if we did that? What if we quit running around criticizing other believers? Yes, other believers has problems, but I got news for you. So do you. Here, we won't see their, uh, uh, our names. We'll just see Jesus' name on their foreheads. And there are going to be no night. We already talked about that. There will be no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And somehow, way, us servants are also reigners. We reign too. But even as we talk about it here, folks, do you get a haughty spirit by, by thinking about it? No, you don't get a haughty spirit. It's all because of the Lord. You get to reign. You reign with him. You participate. You serve. You do what he's given you to do. And you see the you see the Lord in other people. You don't criticize. Well, then he says to me, these words are faithful and true. Listen, he stamps these for John. This is true. 
There's scoffers in the last days, Peter tells us. They'll laugh at you. If you preach this stuff, they'll laugh at you. But this is faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to sow his servants the things which much shortly take place. Shortly doesn't mean shortly in time from the time John wrote this. It means as soon as these things start happening, they're going to happen shortly, quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This book impacts your life. The Bible tells us it makes us to live a pure life when we look for the blessed hope, the coming of the Lord. Now, I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship. The Bible is so encouraging. He did this in Revelation 19.10. He did the exact same thing. He tried to worship an angel. This is John. Total screw-up, you think to yourself. How could you do this? Until you think, well, you do it too, and so do I. Well, anyway, I'm your... And it's funny, isn't it funny? Verse 9 is funny to me. Hey, buddy, don't see that you don't do that, okay? Just worship the Lord. Good word for us, though. Quit worshiping things that don't need to be worshiped. No created beings should be worshiped, politicos. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. We're, in ba- or we're uh, pilgrims. And he said to me, don't seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Don't. D- don't. Listen, when you go home tonight, don't just shut this and don't study it until we do it in another two or three years. Keep reading it. Keep studying it. Keep thinking about it. Keep looking at it. Don't seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust. Still, he who is filthy, let him be filthy. What's this all about? He who is righteous, let him be righteous. What's this all about? Listen, I think what the Lord's saying here, and if you're listening online or if you're here in the sanctuary and you're not doing the words of the book, you're just listening to the words of the book, he's saying after you've read the book of Revelation and started to understand these things and you haven't come to a saving, uh, a place where you're down on your knees repenting, I think what the Lord's saying is there's no, nothing else I can do for you. I mean, there is. He could do anything, but you understand what I'm saying? He's warned you now. And he's saying there's coming a place in time when, bang, the unjust are going to remain unjust. That's kind of heavy, right? Well, hold on a minute. And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. We talked about this. He comes with rewards. The Lord's going to reward Christians. Not whether you were some... No, but what, what, were you good stewards? And, and we've talked about that. You can look at it in 2 Corinthians 5. The Bema Seat judgment. He's coming with rewards. To give to everyone according to his work. You don't get saved by works, but you're saved unto good works, and you're to be a good steward. Talked about it at length. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That's applied to God in the book of Revelation in several places, the Alpha and the Omega. And here alone to Christ. Another uh, show of his deity, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, that's Isaiah 41.4, which means Jesus is saying, I'm God. Blessed are they who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. What are the gates again? They're pearl gates. And if you don't remember that from three weeks ago or four weeks ago, whatever it was, please remember it. When you walk into the city, you're going to be reminded that Jesus paid it all for you. 
the pearl of great price. Isn't that great? You're going to be just blown away. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. If you say you're a Christian and you hate other people, let me say that again. If you claim the name of Christ and yet you hate other people, and what I see on social media are a bunch of Christians hating other people, you're a liar. It's not me saying it. It's the Bible saying it. But don't be a liar. And here it comes. Don't be a liar. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root, Jesus says, and the offspring of David. What do you mean he's the root of David? Well, he came from David, right? Offspring. But he was before David. He's eternal. So he's both the root and the offspring. He's the He's the bright and morning star, the dawning of a new day, Jesus. But here it comes. Listen, you say, well, that's pretty heavy what you were saying. You were saying that there comes a point in time where God just says, I've given you a warning now. You've read the book of Revelation. There's nothing more I can do. Well, listen to what he says. And the spirit here, listen, folks. You say to yourself, man, people in the capital, oh yeah, that was sickening. I got to tell you, that was sickening. People in the capital, uh, COVID, uh, this party versus that party. I don't even know what to do or what to say. Well, here it is. Here comes your mission. It's never changing. It's never going to change. And the spirit and the bride, who's the bride? The church says, come. Here's what I'm saying to you out there or to you, come. You know what other religions say? Get really cleaned up and maybe come. You might have a chance. See, what Christianity says is come just as you are. Just come. Here the bride says, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts, come. You could even go into, um, uh, you say, well, I have all these intellectual uh, questions. Well, God says in Isaiah 1, Come now, let us reason together. <laughs> you say, I, listen, I'm so wiped out from life. How is religion going to help me? Jesus says in Matthew 19, or excuse me, in Matthew 11, come unto me, come, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you peace and rest for your souls. Just yoke up with me, come. You, you don't have to clean yourself up. You got questions, just come. I'll answer them in time, but just come. How about when he was calling his disciples? You know what he just said? They wanted to know where he lived. He said, come and see. Just, I won't, I, he didn't even answer the question. Just come and see in John chapter 1. Later, when he was calling Nathaniel and Philip, again, come and see. I, I know, but I don't even know that much. I feel like a little kid or spiritually immature. He said in Matthew 19, allow the little children to come to me. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. You see, the world out there is saying that Christianity is intolerant. There's nothing more tolerant than the 
the law of the love of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. He says, you can't clean yourself up. Just come. You come. Everybody come. All of you come. Anytime, just come before I come back. And you can have the river or the water of life freely. And as we saw, the water of life, Jesus himself said, eternal life. You just come. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, wow. God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Listen, listen, wait a minute. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Listen, I get it. There's a bunch of better scholars than me that know Revelation. Well, I got to tell you something. As much as I can stay literal to the word of God, man, do I want to stay literal. There's all these different machinations and plays about what this is about and the symbols and all that sort of thing. And I get it. I understand. It's, for some people, hard to, uh, hard to read. But if you'll just read it in chronological order as it's supposed to be, and as much as you can keep it literal, keep it literal, God tells us to do that. And to not put our heads in the sand about the book of Revelation. Now, we got to go, I know it, but you got to just hang on. He who testifies to these things said, surely I am coming quickly. He is coming soon, I believe that, but when he comes, this word quickly, all these phrases mean when he comes, when in the things happen, it's going to unravel fast or ravel fast. <laughs> I'm coming quickly, and listen, folks, even so, amen, even so, come, Lord Jesus. See, that's our hope and our anticipation. This doesn't scare us. We're for it because he's so beautiful. We want to be with him. It's where perfect peace. There's no more insecurity. There's no more. We're stamped with him. We're living for him. We're living in perfect provision and peace and security and stability. We want it to come. And here's what he leaves you with. He says this, it's staggering. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Remember, folks, what happened in the garden? There was a curse. The worst of which was the curse of death. Turn with me to the last verse of the book of, or excuse me, of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the, the book, uh, the or the testament of the law. When you get to the end of the Old Testament, listen to this. It says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, verse 6, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. See, the end of the law is death. But the grace of God is life. And the Lord here purposely, by the person and work of the Holy Spirit, leaves us at the end of the New Testament. Listen to this. And he tells you, he just tells you, he just says, listen, it's grace. It's grace. It's all grace. For all of eternity. It's grace. It's that which gets you into the family of God, grace, but also propels you down the 
path of Christ-likeness, sanctification, it's the grace there too. That which affords any joy or pleasure or delight or sweetness or charm or lovingness is grace. That's the word in the Greek. It's goodwill, it's loving kindness, it's favor. It's the merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence upon our hearts, turns us to Christ, and keeps and strengthens us. All of that is for eternity. It's God's grace. And as we close here, I'm going to give you one more plug. It's not too late. If I were going to do one devotional the rest of my life, there's only one I would do. You don't have to do what I do, but I'm just going to tell you, it's called Day by Day by Grace. Day by Day by Grace. And the reason I love Day by Day by Grace, one, is because grace is the currency of heaven. But also, have you ever been in a devotional and it's really just fluff? Okay, this devotional, no fluff. It takes you down the path of what grace actually is, all from the Bible. And I would commend us, as those who attend Calvary Chapel, South Pittsburgh, to find the grace. See, because it's all grace. Let's pray. Well, Lord... I just come to you tonight thankful for my brothers and sisters who are here in the sanctuary or listening online. And I pray, Lord, that we would remember that it is all grace. Lord, the law is the curse or leads to the curse or leads to death. But thank goodness for the law. It shows us that we need a Savior and that we need your grace. So this new covenant, which was formed by the blood of your Son, Lord, the covenant of grace, Lord, may you show us more and more. May we marvel at it day by day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.